Founder Press Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and I am by myself again tonight to recap the 1-1 draw against the Galaxy from this afternoon. Josh, you'll have to excuse him. He is on the road today. I think he was traveling for a football tournament or something, if I remember correctly. Uh, And he's unable to record tonight. So you're stuck with me once again. Um, LAFC playing away at Carson, 1-1 draw. Kind of a similar match to what we've seen before, especially with the Galaxy where there's an early goal. And then um, especially as as seems to be the case with with LAFC this season, as soon as we give a as soon as we get a goal and a lead, we are frequently giving it up. And uh Galaxy were able to equalize, I think, within about eight minutes of the goal. Our goal came on uh, a set piece. Uh, from a corner, Mamadou Fogg um, scores a great header. It's, it really seems like something that he is uh, a serious threat to do anytime we have a set piece anymore. You can kind of count on him being somewhere near the back post and and at least winning the ball, if not putting it in the back of the net. Um, I think that is his fourth goal of the season. And could have possibly been his fifth if the one against Atlanta wasn't called back. Um, which is kind of crazy to think about. If it is if it is his fourth, uh, he's only two away from uh, the lead for most goals in this season. Chicho, uh, Cifuentes, and, and Rossi still have the lead with six. I think it's a three-way tie there. So Mamadou Fall continues to impress. Um on on both ends of the pitch, really. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, not too long after, again, I think it was in the 18th minute, I'm pulling it up here, uh, the Galaxy are able to equalize. This is something that concerned me a little bit with our starting back line where you had Blessing out at right wing back, Mamadou Fall right center back. In the middle was... Mario, and then flanking him was Marco Farfan. And as we know, Marco Farfan is a left back. He has performed admirably as a backup left back. Um, I still don't really know how I feel about him playing center back. Um, I didn't think his game was tragic tonight, but him in combination with Raheem Edwards out on the left side is something that uh, just was not ideal, especially going up against the likes of, you know, a combination like uh, Julian Araujo and uh, and Alvarez on on the on the Galaxy's right wing. That was just a lot to handle. And you see Edwards get booked early as a result of getting beat, and then you see him come really close to a second yellow with a with a bad foul from behind on Chicharito. Uh, he was quite quite lucky to not see a second yellow in about 35 minutes. Um, so anyway, um, Galaxy, that's the 19th minute, yes. So they scored eight minutes after hours, uh, after our goal. And it's just, you know, it's people getting lost there. Grancier makes a run from midfield that goes completely untracked. Um, Blessing doesn't pick him up. Fall doesn't pick him up. Mario is out of position. Farfan uh, is not. He's he's 
kind of upfield and there's a big gap between him and Murillo and Edwards is nowhere to be seen. The initial ball that comes in, I think probably should have been pressured better by, by Edwards. Um, but what are you going to do? He's, <laughs> he's not, a, he's not a left back. He's not a left wing back, but we insist on playing him there. So, uh, for the rest of the match, uh, back and forth, both, both teams hit the woodwork. Um, I felt like LAFC controlled the game a lot better in the first half. And then in the second half, they brought in, um, they brought in Janela and Palacios at halftime. And I feel like that really helped, you know, for the first 15, 20 minutes, LAFC grew into that game. And then Galaxy started making subs around the 60th minute. And then it just, it, it honestly got pretty messy there towards the end. One of the things that was frustrating to me is I, Janela kept dropping further and further back, especially after Atuesta was, was out of the game. He kept dropping further and further back. And then he would pick up his head and there'd be nobody to pass to. Um, uh, this was, you know, after Atuesta comes off, Blessing moves into the midfield. Uh, Moon is now out at, rank wing, out at right wing back. And Cifuentes was often in kind of no man's land. I talked about it a few weeks ago about him playing as a sort of false nine. Um, sometimes he, I feel like he has a harder time getting on the ball. So Janela would pick up the ball close to our back line, turn around, nobody to play to. So he's just playing in long balls to Rodriguez or, or Chicho. And there's just not enough guys forward to attack a, a, a four man back line. So we have our two forwards up there. Um, and either, and one of them would get the ball wide and then attacks wouldn't necessarily materialize. There were some great chances that were created Chicho has a, a great through ball to Brian Rodriguez, kind of a switch of play. And Brian uh, puts in not the greatest effort. He probably should have done better and, and chipped the keeper there. Bond gets a hand to it. Um, you know, several chances in this game to to take it. And as is customary at this point, they, you know, finishing isn't great. The quality of the chances isn't spectacular. And we gave away kind of a silly goal. So here we are again. Um, in terms of things to, to really build on, I do think uh, that Latif Blessing has looked better and better at right wing back as the season goes on. And I do wonder if that's something, if LAFC does stick with a three-man back line next year, uh, if that's something we'll see more of. I felt like he gave Nico Heimelainen absolute fits when he did get involved in the attack. When he was on the ball on on the right wing, he was really dangerous, and nobody could get him off the ball. And we all know that's kind of a that's kind of one of his trademarks, right? He's difficult to dispossess of the ball, and I feel like when he's out on the wing, it's even harder to do because he has a little bit more space to operate, and all those little touches and turns and fades. Uh, I feel like they come off a little bit easier. The The problem with Blessing is you're not always going to get the quality in front of goal. Yeah, he had a couple shots tonight that were just kind of uh, skid along the grass and easy to deal with from Bond. So, uh, But as a right wing back, you, you're not always the one having to finish the shot. So I do wonder if that's something that we might see in the future. 
um, because that's a position that I've I've started to really like him playing in. Um, let's see what else happened tonight that was of note. I think um, I think Janella had a great game uh, playing again in that in kind of a box to box role. Uh, he was the one that was really driving the ball forward, especially uh, throughout the second half, especially after Atuesta came out, it was all him. Everything in the midfield came through him, and I felt like he did well, and he was connecting passes really well, and uh, oftentimes it was just the touch of of Cifuentes or or Chicho even that, that was letting him down. Brian Rodriguez, I thought, looked dangerous, especially in the first half. He was responsible for two or three of the yellow cards that the Galaxy took early. Um, you know, it, him in front of goal is just not what you'd like it to be. And um, even though that Josh and I talk about him all the time and about the the special qualities that he possesses, uh, it's kind of clear that him driving at goal uh, is good. It's what you want. He's going to attract pressure, but um, he's not always going to be goal dangerous. Obviously, a couple months ago, he had that absolute banger against against the galaxy but um sometimes his finishing really just leaves you wanting more so there's still things to grow still plenty of things to 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 build on for him though i i i'm still not one to say all right let's ship him out let's let's keep him around let's see what we can build on let's give him more time um but i that's one of those subs that when bob pulled him was like yeah i get it i mean he's He's he'd kind of become less effective throughout the throughout the game, um, and at that point, by the time he came off, everything was just being lumped forward anyway. So it's not like there was any real uh, plan to use him uh, or to to get him isolated with a with the defender. Everything was just hoof it long and see what happens, see what these guys can create up top, which ultimately wasn't anything. Um, I thought Mario continues continued in kind of his way of just making weird mistakes and um, taking plays off. There was a ball that was kind of just lumped forward from the galaxy over the top of the field. I can't remember who played it or who it was that was running in. And you you see Blackman have to come 35, 40 yards out of goal. And Mario is just looking at the ball. And the galaxy attacker almost got onto it. before Blackman gets there and clears it out at the last second. But it's it's that same kind of thing you saw in the last game where he just takes a playoff, doesn't make the right pressure, and boom, ball can easily end up in the back of the net. Speaking of Blackman, um, the goalkeeper can, the goalkeeper situation continues to uh, to confuse me at LAFC. Um, Blackman. I mean, he seems fine. He seems like he comes out of the goal probably more than he should. Had the Sebastian Legette header been six inches to the right, it would have gone in for sure because Blackman didn't even bother trying to get it. Um, they were cut and on the goal on the goal that they scored as well. He came out way too far, kind of overran it, um, just. So, I mean, it's nothing special, and I don't know that he was billed that way to us as something that, you know, now we're finally going to get the uh, the goalkeeper that locks down 
the position after four years, but um, it does make me confused about why uh, Tomas Romero is not playing. I didn't think Ro- Romero had, didn't have a great game against the San Jose, but then again, neither did anybody on LAFC. So it's kind of odd to me to see him sent to the bench in favor of Blackman, who just arrived. And we again, we know how long it takes to get Bob to play you significant minutes. So it seems a little bit weird that Blackman would just be the guy from the jump, but here we are. Um, let's see. There's another point that I wanted to bring up that I thought was really interesting. During the, the English broadcast, Taylor Twelman mentioned that how odd he thought it was that Bob had not been offered an extension after the 2019 season and how at this point you can't really see either party being all that interested. Uh, this is something that I hadn't really considered before about the idea that regularly teams would probably extend their coach after they have a record-breaking season and they set, you know, not only the the points record, but goals, the goals record. They have one of the best defenses in the league, so it leads to goal differential record. Carlos Vela has that breakout season. Um, not even a breakout season, more the MVP season, right? Um, and yet LAFC didn't offer him the contract extension right there. And so he kind of he kind of billed it as LAFC missed an opportunity to lock up their guy. And I know that many of you out there are 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 ready to move on from Bob Bradley, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. What I am saying is I thought that was an interesting thing to bring up because generally these guys have a little bit of inside information, certainly more inside information than than I would. But um, the fact that the front office didn't bring him back then makes me wonder about how much Bob really does care about this season. If he already knew that he was on his way out because he didn't get an extension or he didn't feel like re-signing because he didn't feel much love from the from the front office, um, that's one thing that I think as the season is drawn on, Josh and I have really tried to highlight is the shortcomings not only of of what's going on on the field, but what's going on in the front office. And I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this, whether or not you think the front office um, made a mistake by not retaining him. And then the question, I guess, is does that factor in at all to the the state of things this season? Um, now, it's easy to look back with hindsight and say, well, no, I mean, they've been bad this year, so of course they shouldn't have, have extended Bob. But try and think back to the end of that season and really ask yourself, should they? have gone ahead and made him the offer. Um, I think it's something that I hadn't, again, I hadn't really considered it. And it does make me curious about if Bob felt miffed by that whole ordeal. Um, And if that's kind of led to some of the problems that we've had now, or maybe that, uh, maybe that caused problems in the locker. Who knows? Uh, but if all those players are loyal to Bob and he wasn't given what everybody thought he should have been, he should have received, then uh, it's easy to see how that could create problems. But anyway, that's enough of all that. Just an interesting thought that I hadn't considered. 
Let's get into questions. There's quite a few tonight, as is typical with both Galaxy games and what I would call disappointing results. Um, it's weird. It's weird to call a draw a disappointing result uh, after such a, a rough stretch for LAFC. Um, in the most practical terms, I don't think it's a disappointing result. I think it's it's rather positive that you go and and you get a, a draw on the road, but when you look forward to the playoffs, it does it's the math is starting to get really difficult um, on how LAFC can get on, get in. So let me recap the table for you real quick before we get into questions. Um, so LAFC currently sit in ninth after 28 games played on how many points is that? That is. 34 points. Now that's three behind Vancouver, but Vancouver have a game in hand. That is four behind Minnesota, but they also have a game in hand. It's five behind Galaxy, who have played the same number of games. Um, so uh, it's becoming <laughs> it's becoming harder and harder. Uh, you're at the point where it's not just win and you're in. Uh, you're definitely going to need some other teams to lose. Once again, uh, positions one through seven in the table make it to the playoffs. And let's see, who do we have left? We have San Jose, Dallas, Minnesota, Seattle, Vancouver, and Colorado. So Vancouver is one of those that you look at and you say, okay, even though it's a couple weeks away, that's a very important game for LAFC because we're trailing Vancouver. They're the next... They're the next team ahead of us. Minnesota's another one. They're just two two spots ahead of us and only four points. So you could have, if you win those games, you could have a massive point swing. Um, but you also look at San Jose, who's a, a team that we've really struggled with this year. Dallas is a, definitely a beatable team. Seattle is Seattle. Um, you probably anticipate uh, not, not winning that one, but... Um, who knows? Sometimes, sometimes LAFC pulls these games out uh, that nobody expects. Colorado is a tough one at the end as well. Um, one of the hotter teams um, in the second half of the se- in the second half of the season. So it's uh, like I said, the math is is getting harder and harder for LAFC here and trying to make the playoffs. But we'll see what happens. All right, here we go. First question from Lionel Hutz at From Cheap Seat. We'll probably miss the show, but we'll be interested to hear you and Josh discuss which LA team is in a better position after this season. This is this is tough. This is this is a tough one because I feel like there are so many unknowns about LAFC. Right now, we know we have at least one open DP spot, and the way things are going, it seems like you're going to have potentially two. Because uh, it's hard to imagine Vela coming back next season. Uh, if he's coming back and his mind's in it, then obviously you want to have him. But it's tough to say um, what that what what's going through his mind right now as he sits on the sideline and watches. It's hard to say if Bob's coming back uh, and who like which coach out there is going to be taking over. 
Um, what I will say about Galaxy is I think they missed on the Chicharito signing. I think that their Serbian striker they, uh, is pretty good. I think that was a pretty good signing. Uh, I don't know if I trust Grant Sear to do anything. Jonah Dos Santos is aging uh, and looks less and less effective every time I see him on the field. Um, the back line still has problems. Jonathan Bond is a good keeper. Um, Julian Araujo, if he continues on this trajectory, probably won't be a lo- around for very long. Um, and for all the talk of Efrain Alvarez um, kind of being this wonderkind, he's, he hasn't really materialized in that same way. So uh, it's hard to see the Galaxy going anywhere in the in the in the realm of SKC or Seattle or I think they're probably a mid-table team. Uh, now maybe Greg Vanny in his second year makes some more signings and is able to to turn that around. It wouldn't surprise me. Greg Vanny's shown that he can do it in this league. So. I think Galaxy are probably about a wash next season, maybe a little bit better, again, based on Vanny uh, being there and, and having a, a bit more control. But in terms of LAFC, I, I really don't know. I think with two open DP spots, if you do have to bring in a coach, and again, I have to assume that Bob's not coming back at this point, um, based on the conversation that we keep getting from commentators just in the open, Two DPs, um, you have you have really good parts on this roster. It's it's tough to say. I still don't know. I still don't have a definitive answer on if Chicho is going to be a DP next year. I would love for it if they could uh, use all that money that they have to buy down a contract if they have to to keep him from from hitting as a DP. Because I think him in place and bringing in two more guys. Uh, two more DPs with Brian Rodriguez, I think could really change the trajectory of this team. Uh, I assume you bring Cifuentes back. You're going to lose Atuesta, but I think you have midfield pieces there that can, that can help um, bridge the gap. And I, I, I have to assume as well to bring, to replace Atuesta, you bring in a, a DP center midfielder uh, to pair along with Janela and Duke and Cifuentes. Um, and then Eddie Segura coming back as well. If you catch me at my most honest right now, Eddie Segura and Mamadou Fali are starting center backs next year uh, with Mario third off the bench or first off the bench or, you know, as the third center back, if we, if we're sticking with his back three. So in terms of who's better set up, um, I think, if I if you're holding my feet to the fire, the Galaxy have more stability. But with that stability comes the chance that they continue to do what they do now, which is underwhelm. Um, LAFC has less stability, but more room to work with, more room for, for change and for growth. So... Uh, you can spin it however you want. You can spin the the stability as positive, and or you can go the opposite direction with that as well. Also from Lionel, disappointed to see Cifuentes look lost out there. He's not been effective in that false nine or attacking mid-roll. Just doesn't fit well with the 
Yeah, I mean, Cifuentes is, is he's an eight. That's what he is. Uh, I think Lionel's a hundred percent correct here. Uh, again, for when he was first signed, we kind of talked about him potentially filling that anti ten role, but that's something that LAFC has gone away from. Um, and I do think he looks more effective in the four three three midfield where he's playing a box to box role. Um, in in the three five two in the four three three where he's a false nine looks a lot like a four diamond two. Um, I do think he gets lost. I don't think he gets the ball in a good spot for him. I think he's best picking up the ball around midfield and driving at the back line. Um, he's not a guy who's going to receive the ball with his back to goal and then find a clean pass from there. It's just that's not his that's not his game. Um, so I would love to see him move back in the formation. If you're going with the three, five, two, I mean, the answer is right there. It's Janela with Cifuentes as the two in the middle. And then it's Bryce Duke as a 10 with two guys playing ahead of him. It doesn't seem that difficult to me. We've seen, uh, Cifuentes look good in that position. We've seen Duke look good in that position. We've seen Duke combine really well with both Chicho and Brian, Rodriguez, so it, I, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> uh, questions abound. Next one from Lionel. Shame on Tuesta got injured, needed him full strength tonight. He's the key to the team. Praying this doesn't cause him to miss time. Yeah, it was a weird injury because, uh, assuming it's him getting kicked in the back of the leg from, from Alvarez when he goes down, it doesn't, it doesn't look like he gets him that hard. I mean, he, it's a clear foul. Um, but he never he never really looked the same after after that foul and ends up coming off. So he's definitely a player you're going to need in the next five, six games as you close out the season. We've seen what LAFC what happens when LAFC don't have him in the CCL final. Um he's a he's a really important piece. And obviously Daniel Chrysostomo is not his he's a, while he may be an understudy, he's not a replacement for him. Uh, not that that surprises anybody, but, um, they're just not the same without them. All right. Next one from Pat at Yoyo Tori 66 winning in Carson is the least of the club's problem. The team just needs to keep fighting for a spot or spoiling it for other teams. Uh, yeah. So this is in response to me tweeting out still no wins in Carson. Uh, I do think that the longer that that goes on, the long, the, the more it's going to stick in their heads. Um, and I would love to shut Galaxy fans up. Uh, ever since they went up 3 nothing in the first El Trafico down in Carson and then lost 4-3, to three, uh, it's been pretty mediocre down there. Uh, and I would, I would love to win in their house. They've won in ours. I would love to return the favor. Um, but that's just me. Uh, they definitely need to keep fighting. And, you know, if they spoil for other teams, great. Um, but the name of the game for them is win. And there's not a whole lot of that going on. Next one also from Pat here. We know the club isn't going to fire Bob since his contract ends at the year, at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I think the only way that he would have been fired would have been, you know, if you go to Carson today and you lose four nothing, and it's like 
the team has to save face somehow. Everybody knows Bob is leaving. Uh, it's kind of an open secret. I'm saying this in air quotes, right? Um, so we just let him go now after uh, after a really demoralizing loss. Somber Amarath at Somber Amarath. Hashtag Bob out. That's all he puts. Um, we hear you. We hear you. Uh, the artist formerly known as Danniness at Danniness. A special kind of moral victory. Hashtag L.A. and Carson. Uh, I'm not sure whether this is a, claiming a moral victory or pointing fun at a, at moral victories. I'm not sure. Tweet at me because I, I, I'm genuinely interested. Uh, I can respond to it either way. Drawing at Galaxy and kind of continuing there. You know, I, I think they said in the broadcast today that they haven't won at home in two months. So being able to extend that misery a little bit is some sort of consolation. <laughs> well, at the same time, I, I'm really tired of moral victories, as you guys all know, and are probably tired of me talking about. I'm tired of XG victories. Um, I'm tired of, oh, well, it's okay because we can still make the playoffs. I'm tired of all that stuff. I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear it anymore. Ryan Olson at Bikes and Barbecue. Why Blackman? Referring to Jamal Blackman. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, Ryan. Like I said earlier, I, he doesn't seem like anything all that special to me. Um, he is a huge man, is one thing that I'll say. That I mean, that is a giant frame to put in front of goal. Um, but, you know, he's he. I don't feel like he's been tested all that much, but made several questionable decisions to come out. Like I said, the Sebastian Legette header, which he just watched sail over him uh he was very fortunate that ended up hitting the post and not going out like he thought it was or not you know that it he obviously thought it was going out he's very fortunate that it either that it wasn't on target because it was a lot closer than i think he believed ryan continues i don't think he was the problem but i'm not seeing what he has over romero and was enjoying the stability of that position Sometimes people tweet things and it's exactly how you feel. And Ryan, this is exactly how I feel, my man. Um, it seemed like we finally, you know, locked into a position where, you know, Romero was maybe a little bit uh, over aggressive. And I mean, he talked about that. He talked about how the goalkeeping coach wants him to be overly aggressive and, and to come out. So I've always just chalked it up to, hey, he's a kid learning when and when not to come out, but he's good with his feet. He stops plenty of shots. Um, so let the kid grow. So to see him yank like this and black men get two straight starts is again, truly bizarre to me. It is. I, 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 I don't understand it. And we continue to do the same song and dance that we've done since year one, where we have no idea Tyler Miller came in for Buba Lopez, who was injured um, in year one. And Lopez never really was able to see the field. Again, I don't rate him all that highly. I don't rate Miller. I haven't rated any of these keepers all that highly. But then again, I'm not a goalkeeping expert. You guys all know this. Um, and I feel like just over time, we continue to have this carousel we bring in Cisniega and then it's between him and Miller and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth 
And then Vermeer comes in and it's still back and forth and back and forth. Cisniega starts this season and Josh and I kind of lampooned the team for doing these weird goal kicks um, and not being able to pass back to him. But he was at least stopping shots. And then so he gets yanked for Romero. And then I don't know. The fact that Romero was there and that you had gone to Cisniega in the in the past seems like, you know, oh, the position was fine, at least for now. And then they go out and sign Blackman and kind of out of nowhere, and Romero's immediately sent to the bench. So I man, it's a frustrating position. I, I don't I don't know what to tell anybody on this other than stay tuned because you have to imagine somebody's getting moved this winter and there could be another another goalkeeper inbound as a result. The shoe at Paul T. Greco. Why uh, does Josh at uh, does Josh have any read on the Vela situation? Is this extended recovery time normal? Uh, Josh did respond here, uh, but just in case you didn't see it, Josh replies with any type of muscle injuries. There is a general protocol that is usually followed based on timing and what we've seen from this from their social media. He's somewhere in the last phase, being sport-specific movement and testing. Uh, unfortunately, this area can be extremely subjective. So that's the expert right there. Um, it is really weird to me that Vela has missed so much time this this season. That's all I'm going to say. All right, Trucho Belico at Elisoka Trucho. Why did Raito get taken out for Moose? Why is Edward starting? Why that Chrysostomo dude over Panchito? Uh, you know uh, you know what? None of those questions matter. Only this one. Why is Bob still here? And please, all you Bob in podcast, what... <laughs> Sorry. What air are y'all breathing? Not you guys, of course. Uh, well, thank you uh, for assuming that we're still breathing. <laughs> uh I think I think Raito was kind of out of gas there, and and out of juice. Really, I, I think he'd kind of run his course in that in that game. I didn't mind the idea of subbing him. The fact that it's Moose that comes in is like, all right, well, again, waving the white flag. I don't really know who else Bob is supposed to put in at that point. Um, I guess Galena. He could have brought in Galena, um, but yeah. Uh, I, I, again, have no idea why Edwards is starting. He shouldn't be starting, um, plain and simple. And Chrysostomo over, uh, Pancho is, I think it's, I think it's a defensive thing. That's, um, they're trying to get somebody that's a de- kind of a defensive stalwart. And given that he did start next to Atuesta, who, who can deal a you know, better than Chris Ostomo can. I think that's probably why. And then you see him pulled for, for Poncho when it's clear that we don't have enough in possession. Um, I think I answered all those questions, but you'll have to ask the other podcast what they're thinking. I don't know. Um, next level 11 at 11th level. Kim Moon Wan has a lot of brilliant moments when in attacking roles but often seems like a defensive liability. I keep wondering if he would be more effective as a midfielder or in some other attacking position. Not really sure what that would look like, though. Um, 
yeah, I mean, the more that I watch him, the more that I think he's he's suited for a right wing back position in a three man back line. Um, I thought for a moment when he came on today that maybe they were going to shift to a four three three, and we would see him play as a right winger, um, but that was not in the cards. One moment that really frustrated me to no end was Nico Heimelainen. It's it's a I think it's when Grand Seer just kind of scuffs a ball out. Nico Heimelainen gets free on the on their left wing, and there's a ball played from the midfield out to their left wing, and Moon. I mean, Moon is nowhere near Heimelainen. He's he's completely free, and this ball is played into so much green grass that Heimelainen takes all like all the time in the world to get on the ball. It had to have been in the 70th, 75th minute or so. Um, and he's able to play a ball into Granzier, who's wide open, because by this time, like, we're so disorganized from this one single pass out to Nico Heimelainen. And luckily, Granzier doesn't play the ball in, uh, play like a square ball in for the, I think, again, I can't remember that, Jokulic is something like that, the Serbian kid. Luckily, he doesn't see him or doesn't play him. I don't know what it is, but that would have been that would have been two one at the end of the game right there. Um, yeah, defensively, he's not he's not the greatest in the world. So, um, at some point, I would love to see him just play as a right winger because I do think he's dangerous in and around the opposing box. Um, saw him again get into a few dangerous spots today. Uh, we've seen what he can do. Um, both in front of goal and being able to provide service to those people in front of goal. So, man, I, I was kind of hoping for, again, the 4-3-3, get a little more depth in your midfield, depth meaning like positioning of the midfielders, and just push those wingers a bit higher. Um, we were playing so many long balls from from Janela out to the wings anyway that it was pulling our strikers out of position in that 3-5-2. So just leave some wingers up there to ping. And, you know, if, if Moon can pull something off, then great. But anyway, Tom Camilleri at BroncoFan07. No real question about the game at this point, so I'm curious of your opinion on Arango so far. To me, he's not especially fast, and his dribbling makes Diomande look like Maratona. <laughs> uh, he clearly needs service in the box, Well, uh, which, well, he's just not going to get at this point. I think he has a lot to offer for scoring, but the wrong team around him. Um, I think his, I think his dribbling, I I don't, I mean, I think he's been clever in different moments. I think what I like about him the most though, is his willingness to get wide. Uh, if you're, if you're truly going for kind of a Bobby Firmino type that it can also finish, um, in MLS, I think, I think that's probably a good, this is a good player to land on, um, I love that he pops up in different places. And what I love about that is it doesn't seem like when he gets there, he's out of position. When he's on the ball, he's comfortable. He's willing to make combinations. He's willing to take guys on one-on-one. Um, but then he gets right back into the attack. So I I, I like that he kind of has this round Deuter, space interpreter, Thomas Muller uh, thing to him. And I, I think that might kind of be what he is, is a guy that's going to pop up. He's going to score some goals, some big-time goals. Um, 
and you know, then he might go quiet for a little bit as he's kind of waiting for service. Um, but again, based on all the film that I had watched on him before and what I've seen now, he seems like a sure finisher if he can get service. And again, we've talked about how that's not going to happen now. Um, and at this point, LAFC doesn't have any threats around him to pull double teams off of him either. So I think he's just in a tough spot. But again, when I look at the way he picked up the ball on the left wing today and feeds Brian Rodriguez with that with that through ball, that, that kind of like cross between a switch and a through ball, that's the kind of stuff that I think is going to make him really dangerous for years to come in, in, in MLS. Uh, just need some... Support around him, like you said. Christopher Colonna at LAFC 2021. At least it wasn't a loss. Only six more matches until the season is done. Thank God. Uh, here it is. Uh, Frodo.gif, right? Where he's laying on Mount Doom just saying, it's done. I finished or whatever it is, right? Um, sometimes I, I really do think that's what the season is like. It's like carrying the ring through through Middle Earth. Um but uh, yeah, like I said earlier, it's it's not it's not the worst result in the world. You got a goal. It was probably against the run of play, uh, but it comes on it comes off the head of Mamadou Fall, who continues to be, I think, the brightest spot this team has this year um, is is his emergence. So, um, yeah. Like I said, drawing away, extending their misery of not being able to win at home is is something a bit special. Um, the next one from the Bacchanal at the Bacchanal. Frustrated, this squad is 80% dead wood. Cifuentes is a joke. Rodriguez finishing even more laughable. Playoffs are not happening. Blackman was awful on that goal. His brain had had to stop working. Maybe four players worth keeping for next season. Shambolic. Also, you're saying it right. Thank you. I got the Bacchanal right. Um, uh, man, I can tell. I can tell you are frustrated too because eighty uh, percent uh, dead wood. I mean, it. This roster is not good, and again, it's part of the reason that I think Josh and I have given Bob a pass for so long is because he's dealing with the with the army that he's got, right? Um, now, how much say he has on who gets signed, who gets retained, who's playing, who's not, I, all these things, you know, obviously who's playing is his call, but um, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that relationship looks like between him and JT. I don't know if JT is just saying, here's this player, here's this player, here's this player, work him in, figure it out. Um, and how much pushback or how much input Bob has in, into player signings. I have no idea. Um, but going back to the Taylor Twelman thing, if LAFC have known for a while that they were on the fence about extending him, uh, it would make sense that they're going to go out and sign whoever they want and not Bob's guys. Um, I think the most obvious one that comes to mind is when Bob obviously brought in Diomande, right? And that was, uh, that had a huge impact on this team and it was the right, it was the right player to go get. Um, and then we all know how that eventually fell out and Diomande was really frustrated with the team and didn't feel comfortable in LA and ended up leaving. 
So it does make you wonder um, as you try and piece all this together and figure out what's going on with this team. Um, is it really that they just were never really sold on Bob despite the success in 2019 and made different signings? And in that case, if that's the case that Bob hasn't been consulted on any of this, then that's a major uh, indictment of this front office. So when you look at this roster and you say, man, it's full of Raheem Edwards, Marco Farfan, Corey Baird at the, at the start of the season, uh, Daniel Chrysostomo, etc. Like all these players that just don't do anything to change the results on the field. Danny Musovsky, right? That's another one. They're not going to change the the week in and week out results on the field. They're not. That's a front office issue um, that they filled up a roster like that. It's a front office issue, certainly, that the DPs have been handled like they have since the inception of the team. Um, so, when when people complain about the roster, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm. I understand your frustration with Cifuentes. Uh, I think, again, he's being misused in the role that he's in. I don't think him receiving the ball so close to the back line where he's going to invite all that pressure immediately is his strong point. His, again, his strong point is receiving the ball with a bit more space farther from goal, driving, and dealing with the pressure that way as opposed to having his back to goal or having to receive right in between the the midfield and the, and the backfield and the back line. Um, I just, I really don't think that's his game. I don't think he knows where to be to find that space in between those two lines. Whereas if he's playing as an eight, he's able to find space laterally as well as vertically a little bit easier. Um, Rodriguez. Yeah. Rodriguez's finishing is not. Um, if you, if you want your wingers to score and Brian Rodriguez is your winger, like if you want him scoring 10 to 15 goals a season, not going to happen. He's going to get you four to eight goals a season at most. Um, and he can load up on assists and he can he can load up on secondary assists and help you to, to break pressure with his speed and ability on the ball. But that's, that's, that's his thing. That's his thing. Uh, again, Josh and I talk about it all the time. Looks really good when he's part of like a four four two where he's a a wide midfielder or you know like a a, a left winger that isn't necessarily a a Cristiano Ronaldo type left winger where it's everything's direct to goal direct to goal direct to goal. Um, Blackman awful on that goal. Yeah, I talked about that one. So, um, like I like I responded to Lionel Hutz. There's uh, lots of volatility on this roster and there's lots of opportunity for improvement if you'll accept that euphemism uh that'll do it for tonight though um thank you all for listening um again please check your your emails and dms here in the next week or so i'm going to start reaching out to people about um recording for the 100th episode if you're interested in appearing on the 100th episode of the counter press, please uh, reach out to either me at Kirk Kinsey or, or the, uh, the show's handle at counter press underscore and let us know what we're trying to do is just record 
miniature interviews with fans about their favorite LAFC moment because we want this to be kind of like a timeless episode that isn't just tied to, you know, the game against, I don't know, it'd probably be like the Seattle or the Minnesota game. Uh, we want to make our, our hundredth episode, something a little more special and something that uh, is relevant a year from now. So please reach out if you're interested in doing that. And uh, we would love to have you on the show. We will talk to you all next time. Good night.